everyone. My name is Irit Ezips. Thanks for joining me today. I want to tell you today we're going to talk about a very important topic, and that's how do you align product to customer success, and how do you do it in a consistent manner that actually is customer-centric and that would work for your customers. So I invited Alex Farmer. Alex Farmer is the VP of Customer Success at a company called Cognite. He is also the founder of the Customer Success Excellence Awards, and we just had an event in London just a few weeks back. So I'm super excited to have him and just thrilled that he even has the time to discuss this framework, which he published on LinkedIn a few weeks ago. So if you want to see it, go check his LinkedIn profile and find the post. I'll include a link to it in the description below. But before we go in depth, Alex, how are you? I'm doing well. It's great to now be on the other side of, of that launch event so we can get back to actually doing the day job, so to speak. And uh, this topic is one of the things that we're working on at the moment at Cognite. So a very relevant time to have our, our conversation. What prompted you to think about a framework on how to work with a product team on their pipeline for features? What was some of the challenges you were facing before you decided to put it in writing and come up with a framework for that? I think at the highest level, you know, we talk about customer success as being proactive versus reactive, right? But I think every leader in most business functions prefers to be ahead of the game, but the reality can be very different. There's so many inbound requests coming at me as a product leader from so many different places. I don't go with the most important based on data. When I prioritize the roadmap, I go with the loudest voice that screamed at me last week that burned it into my memory. We get into these kind of this reactive and almost kind of like defensive posture where we're just doing the best we can. And my background is, is mostly in startups where processes are maybe not, let's say, are to be optimized. So I guess in some ways, this has come out of a, some experience in optimizing these processes in previous companies, and then a need also to, to drive better collaboration between all stakeholders that talk to customers and prospects and look at the market to frankly make it easier for product teams to cut through the noise. Because as much as we want product teams to be at the EBR, at the customer meeting, at the pitch that we make to a prospect... They've got a day job, which, yeah, involves talking to customers sometimes, but it also involves engaging with engineering teams. So they're kind of stuck in between two very important interfaces, looking internally to get things built and looking externally to gather feedback. So this framework is really about making it easier for them to, to be spoon-fed in some ways the most important things. So they're not just kind of having to, to listen to all of this noise ruminating around uh, an organization around the product. So very specifically, I think it's just that time in our growth to double down on uh, improving the product feedback loop. I kind of wanted to showcase the framework that you released on LinkedIn. And again, I'm going to share the link in the description below. There's like overall six phases. Mm-hmm. And it really says, look, we can't just look at market and prospects, which was the traditional way of doing things. We know that in the 80s, you know, before subscription model was hugely popular. Most product roadmaps were relying on sales to provide feedback. Hey, what do customers request so that we can kill the differentiator element? But now we actually, you're saying, no, 50% needs to be related to what customers need. Exactly right. The revenue splits have shifted, right? It used to be 80% from new customer acquisition and 20% post-sale. It's now 2080, especially in times like these when budgets for new customer acquisition are maybe shrinking. 
So that becomes incredibly important. But I think we also need to acknowledge that when customers adopt software, they don't buy it and their journey ends. They buy it and their journey begins. Let's think about tangibly think about a sales process. It's a couple of demos. Again, I'm not trying to simplify complex enterprise sales. But my point is, it's some demos, some, some discovery, some, some value elements, maybe some value engineering work that's done. But it's really about understanding the hypothetical value we could deliver to a customer. And then how many times do implementation teams get to the customer and then the customer figures out they should have asked different questions in the RFP. They should have asked different questions in the demo. Right. Sales team didn't misrepresent. It's just a gap between what the customer, the preconceived thoughts the customer had versus the questions that they asked. So if we're starting the journey in implementation, then we need to, to have an effective way to remove roadblocks for the customer's journey once they become a customer, right? And when we do that, right, we talk about customer success and customer journey about removing friction. Well, a product that doesn't function in the way you thought it would, or doesn't function in a way that helps you tangibly get value from it, that's a major roadblock. So having a forum for those customers to provide that feedback and then get good follow-up from the product organization on has been exceptionally important for us and drives more advocacy, which then drives more new customer acquisition. So those very familiar concepts of that customer success flywheel also need to apply themselves to the, the product feedback loop as well. There's a lot of hot debate around these percentages over in the comments. First of all, can you just share sure. what are your thoughts around this? Why did you put 50% quarterly roadmap prioritization and then 25% on bug and monthly enhancement requests? The reason they're a different color is, is that's for every company. Those are levers for every company to balance. So I'm not saying that 50% of roadmap should be of what the product team and engineering teams do should be the quarterly big roadmap themes. I'm suggesting that for a business of our stage, that feels like a good balance. Important Maybe you can the, step back first and just explain yeah. to the audience, what do you mean by this? <laughs> so quarterly roadmap prioritization, those are the big themes. And you can see that line extends to the market and to prospects. Right. So let's say your product is Google Docs. That's your product. You let's say you're a competitor to Google Docs and the customer says they want Google Sheets as well. I need a spreadsheet capability. Well, that's something that's big. And product marketing team, for example, might be saying that your biggest competitor is starting to roll that out. So do we need to roll that out as well to keep pace? Uh, they might be reading your Gartner and Forrester reports saying the market is going in this way. So we need to add this module preemptively to remain relevant and retain market leader status. And then sales will maybe be speaking to prospects and be the eyes and ears of what's impacting deal loss. So those big themes are, I think, especially important. But we need a, you know, those are the 40,000 feet, big bet items that take a lot of time. That's why they deserve something like 50% because it's going to keep you relevant and competitive and scale your total addressable market. Monthly enhancement request review. This, I think we really miss when it comes to customer success could play a better role here in my experience. Customers will log, you know, there's the classic enhancement requests that say they don't like the color of this button. I want this button's color or position to change, right? Because one person on their team said they didn't like it. Maybe those get logged because we should be logging every single enhancement request because if 50% of your customers say that they don't like the color of the button, maybe there's something there. I don't mean those individual customers. I don't mean that that specific unless, of course, it becomes a, a many customer issue. I mean things more like, I wish the product worked in a slightly different way because my users are confused. There's an impediment, let's say, to adoption from one of your customers. All we need to do is change the text in the automated email or push notification that is sent from the product. Well, that's something that takes an engineer a limited time to do. 
I don't know how organizations prioritize, but we, I, I'm used to speaking in t-shirt sizes. Could be an extra small or a small. And two things to this point. One, we should consider doing those more often than we do because we get distracted into the new quarterly roadmap prioritization, sexy, exciting stuff. But then once we release that new stuff, we don't allow enough time for those little quality enhancement requests to trickle in that would improve adoption by an inordinate amount. So the ROI from a development perspective, if I spend a little bit more time making some tweaks, I'm going to get way more adoption, way more advocacy, and maybe way more upsell for this new module. So those minor kind of bug bears, let's say, they aren't bugs, it's not broken, but I should change the design. This is critically important. And I would also say on this point, if customer success is doing their job well, and this is something that we really focused on at FairSale, we should be aware of what the next quarterly release will contain. And then we should be combing through our monthly enhancement requests and say, hey, you're going to enhance the commenting feature. Let's use the Google Doc analogy again. You're going to enhance comments on documents. I see that in the roadmap. That's great. Here's a list of five different enhancement requests that are related to comments that I would love for you to include in your user stories and requirements when you start to deploy this. Because not only are they simple, they're literally adjacent to what you're already going to be working on. So again, getting that granular really drives impact for customers. Um, so I think that's important. And then the last point, bug prioritization, this is a little bit easier and simpler, but no, all bugs are not created equal. So when we, when I was leading both the CS and support, it was very helpful because we would look at customers that were logging support tickets that get sent to engineering as bugs. If it was a red account and it was a high severity bug, we would tell the product team, hey, can you get this prioritized in this sprint? Right. So we would even join some sprint meetings to provide the customer context. And there was a really nice collaboration around focus on this one, not that one. Because product teams, engineering teams, they don't know that. They might want to, but they wouldn't be product managers if they were that customer facing. They would be customer success managers. And that's why that collaboration is important. So percentages don't matter. The altitudes at which we're focused matter. And then, of course, you can flex the percentage based on your growth stage, your product, your buyer, et cetera, et cetera. So the main rhetoric in the LinkedIn comments were about the percentages or was there anything else that kind of came out? I thought it was mainly like, oh, it shouldn't be 25, it should be 50%. I think the main feedback that I got was around the, I think too often we don't think of this as a connected cycle, right? So we input information into product and engineering. That's less than 50% of it because we could develop exactly the right stuff that fills the right gaps and removes the friction. But if nobody uses it or has materials that help drive adoption of it to then get more feedback, this cycle, then we have some real missing link. The feedback that for me is most resonating is around the fact that maybe we need to think of this more as a connected cycle than we do and really kind of think about how we use the CS playbook to drive adoption of what product teams are doing. And then of course, with concepts like early adopter programs or beta groups, we're able to connect products selectively with more customers, get customers leaning in more to the new and exciting stuff. One of the things that we did at a previous company is we would release all paid add-on features for free in beta. So I'm going to charge you. It's, I'm going to tell you up front, this is a new module. It has a cost. But if you join the beta program, you get it for free. That feels customer-centric, and it is. And we get to get their feedback. But in some ways, it's a bit of a clandestine trial or proof of concept. And once they use it and love it, well, then it's a very easy conversation to say, okay, the beta is over. Here's a contract at a, and maybe there's a discount in there for them providing all their feedback. 
But that connectivity of inputs and outputs, commercial product focus, that to me, I think is what resonated the most. But again, I wouldn't say this is a one size fits all. It's just, I think, a good thought starter for folks thinking about how to better connect their customers to their product team and then their products to their customers. I actually really like it. I thought it was a very thoughtful framework and the fact that you have these multiple phases to create that connectivity across the customer journey to pay attention to all the things that are important, not just sales. I think that's really cool. And so from a inputs into the process, you're putting in major release blogs. Like what are these different activities for each one of these? Can you kind of like dig into the details a little bit? So we look at product marketing, the downward arrow is what they give to the product design and engineering group. Mm. sales the same. So so product marketing or the marketing team is talking about competitor insights and market changes. Sales is sharing their closed loss reasons or competitive intelligence that they're seeing in the market. And then customer success is talking about at the end, you see one-to-one CSM anecdotes, but support ticket severity, things that we're collecting from customers in the product ideation portal or customer community, data from customer health, churn reasons, all of the stuff we see day in and day out that represents friction on the customer's journey to value. All of the middle part is mm-hmm. input that different teams provide to the product roadmap That's integration right. so that the product roadmap is not just about whatever product things or bugs or it's yeah. actually very thoughtful and they have the full data scope so that they can make data-driven decisions. That's exactly right. And, and again, why the quarterly roadmap prioritization line extends all the way across the page is because it involves product marketing and sales. But the other ones are truncated because it really is the focus of customer success customer in the post-sale phases in the journey. That's exactly right. And then if we pivot then to talk about what goes back out. So if we look at marketing, we product marketing usually shares their major release blogs, videos, launch PR around new product launches. That's kind of their job. They put that out to the markets. Sales to prospects would share the new roadmap, be able to better respond to RFPs because we've developed stuff that we know gets asked in RFPs very often. And then customer success will share things like the roadmap in a QBR. I have customer success also running major release webinars. This is something we we launched at a previous company and, and what was really helpful is it would be a double act, yeah. product manager and customer success. And it was this really nice, the slide template was, what's the problem statement? What's the feature and what's the impact or value? And the product manager would talk about the why and the feature and CS would give some very relevant examples about you could use this feature to solve this problem or some of our customers tell us that there's this issue and there's this really nice kind of collaboration that hopefully is happening internally, but also then being exposed externally to the customers. And then I already spoke about community-led early adopter groups and then also Mm -hmm. adoption campaigns. So, So one of the things I really like is not pressuring customers, but asking customers to kind of uh, put their money where their mouth is. So you could have a customer that complains a lot about a new feature or about a feature. And maybe we take some of their features into the monthly enhancement request section of the framework. And then we, we, we spend time developing the change to the feature. But as a CSM, I should be able to see that this has been shipped in the latest release and tell that contact, hey, this has been shipped. Have a look at these resources and find out more. We love hearing your feedback and we develop things when you give us feedback. Thank you very much. But then two months later, they can follow up and see if they're actually using it. If they're asking us to develop, there's mutual trust here. So it allows me as a CSM to say, look, we changed things around to make sure you could be successful. And maybe in their customer success plan, we could put a target of a certain percentage of adoption for this new feature that you requested. 
But then we can also follow it up and say, hey, I want to keep prioritizing things that you tell us, but we need to work better together to ensure that we're using the stuff that we deploy to help you achieve your goals. And if we're not, let's figure out why that's the case. But it allows us to kind of give to then also get, as in, I'm going to give you some new things that you ask for, but I'm going to hold you accountable to get more adoption and maybe some more upsell. Because you asked. Yeah. The product ideation is not a dumping ground for complaints. If we do it right, it's a way for customers that are struggling or more slowly getting value to accelerate that value generation. But value generation is not solely in the product. It comes down to change management, the customer stake, lead admin stakeholder actually doing stuff. And customer success needs to help coach customer to, to actually using the stuff that they have asked for. Alex, if somebody wanted to infuse this framework into their business processes. What are some of the steps? Who should lead that initiative? What should they be doing first? And what are some of the main changes that in terms of actions and processes that or tools that they need to start using? Yeah, I think product needs friends. And I don't speak for all product managers watching this. And I'm sure you have plenty of friends, but in the business landscape, maybe you need some more. Because it can be a very lonely place where you just get yelled at and there's a dumping ground of this not working, that not working, customer churning because of a bug or something. And I think customer success can help be a blocker or a shield for product managers because from a product perspective, customer centricity is not saying yes to everyone and pleasing all stakeholders. Product is about being opinionated and being transparent, both internally and externally. So if I, as a CS leader, am not happy at all times with my product manager, they're doing a great job because they're balancing what me and my customers need with what the sales organization needs and what the product organization needs. So I think the step one is really having customer success and product have a frank conversation that your job is not to please everyone. Because I see a lot of well-intentioned, maybe less experienced product managers think that if this chief customer officer or CRO comes in and says, hey, I need this feature tomorrow to close this deal, Mm -hmm. it needs to be empowered to say no because of these reasons. And CS can help give them those reasons when it comes to customer data. So that's maybe a more high-level point to answer to your question. I think more tactically, build the arenas. One, quarterly roadmap prioritization. Two to four hours every quarter, get people in a room, ask them to prepare a top 10 list and see where it goes. And similarly, we have a product ideation module at Cognite, both for customers on our community, but also internally. That's an arena. So if I want to slack my product manager something that a customer said, They can A, use a Slack shortcut to send it directly to the arena, or at the very least, they can just say, hey, log it in the place you know you're supposed to log it, and we will review everything at our normal schedule. It's just like with the CSM. If a customer's coming at me with all of these requests and I'm not able to control those requests, I get reactive. And I don't have time to kind of think strategically and deliver value where it matters most. Exactly the same concepts for a product manager, and CS knows it better than most. So let's work together to to kind of create that proactivity motion to drive the right impact from a market to product and then product out to market, whether it's customer prospect or the, the market itself. Yeah, that's great. I think those are very easy steps to follow, meet with product team, and then start leveraging the arenas where yeah. you can actually share data or get some inputs for the R&D team. Also a great tool to, to keep in mind as a something to harvest ideas from. Absolutely. 